Hello everyone. Very good evening. Welcome to Pitch Camp. This is our 12th webinar and this is our second webinar on the growth marketing and sales leadership series. I'm very excited to have uh, Shruti Kapoor today who is the CEO of uh, Wingman. And uh, you know we have got uh, fantastic responses uh, today for uh, this particular event. Um, and I would love to have this uh, event to be a very strong, uh, engaging uh, event with a lot of Q&A back and forth. She has put together some amazing insights, uh, which is very tough to get in in today's world. Uh, and also, I'm very grateful to her to you know have agreed to come on uh, PitchCamp platform and also share some of these insights. Right. So before we jump in and uh, you know start picking up her brains, uh, you know we'll run a quick uh, poll. Uh, we are using uh, Slido, so I would uh, request. Uh, you know, all of you to take this uh, poll right now. Let me just share my screen. Yeah, it will be fantastic to get to know the audience and, uh, you know, what they care about. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to learning more about all of you uh, through the poll as well. So this is our uh, first poll uh, request, uh, you know, while we wait for others to join in, uh, help us understand, uh, you know, what profile, uh, you know, what role best describes you. It will help us to moderate and you know bring up some relevant uh, questions so that uh, you maximize your time in this webinar today. Fantastic. So I think you know we are tilted towards majority of them being uh, entrepreneurs so far. We've got 10 responses of the 20 people in attendance today. So there you go, Shruti. You know, your entrepreneurs, so you've got majority of them in the entrepreneurs uh, section. Hello, tribe members. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll, we'll take a pause on this particular poll. We're going to keep this interactive. You know, we've got uh, you know two more polls coming in based on uh, you know Shruti's uh, request. So, uh, so Shruti, thank you so much uh, once again. Welcome to Pitch Camp. Let's kick this off. Uh, you know, uh, give us a little brief of your background. Uh, you know, uh, when we got started uh, talking about this, uh, you know, uh, you shared a lot about uh, you know how you have had experience in the previous pandemic as well. Uh, not many people in my network have such a unique experience. So talk us through a little bit of that and you know, your journey of starting Wingman before we jump in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think uh, if, if you'd asked me, you know, maybe 15 years back and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit by saying this, right, what I wanted to become um, or what I was preparing to become, uh, I would have said that I was, uh, you know, fully into biotechnology and training to become uh, either an epidemiologist or a neuroscientist. Uh, in fact, I spent a year doing research on dengue. And uh, at that point, I was studying in Singapore, uh, and that is when the SARS epidemic hit. Uh, so I remember we were like, you know, the university, we were giving our exams, and because of the epidemic, uh, you know, like everything changed. They had to change the venue for the exams. Everybody had to get like a temperature scan before they could go into the exam hall. Um, and it was, uh, pretty scary, but of course, nothing to this level. Um, I, I was also an integrated university, so I could see people in hazmat suits uh, dealing with suspected SARS patients. Um, so that was that. And then, uh, you know, if you'd asked me maybe 12 years back or so what I wanted to be or 10 years back, uh, you know, I would have told you that I was doing my MBA and then I decided to go into investment banking. Um, and then I can tell you about the other type of crisis that happened around then, which was, of course, the 2008 financial crisis right. uh, when I was an investment banker again in Singapore. Um, so, yeah, uh, some ups and downs that I'm familiar with. And 
of course uh, covid has left us all uh, feeling a little bit uh, disoriented um so yeah i'm looking forward to having this conversation with other entrepreneurs and um, you know leaders uh, to see how they are orienting themselves uh, what type of questions they are asking to orient themselves um and then you know um, coming back to my journey to wingman uh, right so i spent a decade in finance um and then somehow found myself at a fintech startup which was just launching in india and at that point uh, you know uh, what quickly became my role was figuring out the go to market and okay. you know go to market is a fancy word for saying okay you know figure out how to find people you can sell to all uh, right and what can you sell to them okay. um so through that process i realized like coming from a world of finance uh people in sales like to talk a lot about you know the data in the crm and they use that as the north star for making every decision but when you actually started looking at that data uh, the data is uh, you know pretty crappy um and that's what motivated me to think about you know how can you make that data data better all right so just to give you an example like if in any sales cycle 80% of the leads don't go anywhere right uh, your conversion rate would be somewhere between 20 to 30% at best uh, but what also happens is that those 70 to 80% leads also get lost in terms of the learnings and the insights all right so uh, imagine uh, it's like if you were reading a book and you were throwing out 80% of the words and then trying to make sense of what you're seeing um and my challenge was that there was nothing that uh, anyone can do or i could do to get my sales people to uh, you know give me more insights about those 80% of the people because they have no incentive to write essays about you know why this person banged the phone on me right um and so that kind of became my quest to say uh, how can we get better data and insights not just for the sales team but also for the business as a whole to understand uh, and make better informed decisions uh, right uh, because it's easy to get swayed by a sales person coming and saying you know what everybody that i have spoken to has complained about pricing okay. uh, right or everybody that i speak to compares us with this competitor uh, but what's really valuable is to say okay is this happening in 20% of the calls or is it really happening in 60% of the calls so uh, yeah so i mean uh, i think that's exactly what wingman does uh, we take in data from all types of sales calls uh, we analyze it uh, and uh, with the perspective of being able to give insights both to the business and to the sales team uh, but in addition to that uh, and that's why the name wingman we are actually a wingman for sales people during these conversations uh so we also give them insights and feedback as they are on a sales call so these these insights happen real time to the to the sales team members so we also give yeah so we give them some insights real time so i think uh, you know we've got a fair uh, bit of audience coming in that's uh, great to see so uh, talk to us uh, you know a little bit about your first uh, you know few challenges uh, there are a few companies in this space who offer sales insights you know in the us especially you know the two most popular ones are uh, you know chorus.ai and gong.io so mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about your target market and what is your journey in acquiring the first end customers sure uh, i would also of course love to hear the audience uh, top challenges when it comes to sales sure uh, so maybe at some point we could do another poll on that english sure um so i think for us uh, you know uh, the segment that we sell to is the segment that uh has uh, inside sales all right uh, and the reason for that is because it's any inside sales is a lot more 
uh, gearing towards coming up with a machine that works that about you know shooting rockets and seeing which one goes the farthest all uh, right which is how a lot of people have historically looked at sales um so uh, you know we, we kind of want to support teams that are much more uh, around uh, you know creating the machine driving a process figuring out how to make that machine uh, better and better wise um you know of course when it comes to that right one of the big segments is uh, software uh, in saas companies um but there are also other segments uh, right so uh, for example uh, even in education uh, even in finance um, a lot of sales actually happen uh, through the you know inside sales channel uh, and for us we've always focused on the english speaking market uh, right it's a, uh, it's of course a language uh, based product right um so you know our focus has been uh, the us we also work with a lot of companies uh, from india that are selling into the us right um and uh, yeah i think in terms of uh, challenges or what have we seen the market evolve uh, right so it's, it's a relatively new space i would say uh, while chorus and gong uh, you know i've had a little bit of a head start it's not uh, like it it it's not like you know uh, somebody trying to enter into the crm market right uh, right um so i think the market is still evolving i think there are lots of different pieces of the puzzle on what people need and what people want uh, right so um, i think people have taken different approaches to it uh, of course for all sales tech tools i think there is a little bit of a philosophy that is influenced by salesforce which is to say i will help the sales managers and sales leaders and i uh, you know it's okay if i have a pain in the ass for everybody else uh, right which is kind of what salesforce has always been uh, but uh, and i think that uh, a lot of the enterprise tools still go that way uh, but the challenge with that approach is uh, adoption is really the new metric for success all uh, right and so if you take the approach of not being very friendly for the sales reps uh, not supporting them but just adding an overhead for them uh, i think in the long run the adoption suffers uh, right okay. um, and so our approach has always been uh, you know to be Uh, a wingman, not just for the sales managers, uh, but for the entire sales team. Folks, I'm putting up another poll. Uh, you know, this is to help understand your number one uh, sales challenge uh, you know, that you are facing today while selling to US. Uh, you know, very relevant to the topic that we are talking about today. So, if you can take this poll, uh, and it will also help us, uh, you know, to understand. your number one challenge that you're facing today while selling to the us especially it's it's also uh, you know tougher right uh, when you don't have a local presence and when you're sitting all remotely uh, you know your teams are all remote you as an entrepreneur remote your primary sources of information is only the news channels and what you get to uh, read over the internet so finding the right prospects okay that seems to be unanimous So we are evenly split between engaging the prospects, getting the meetings, and deal closure. Interesting. Um, as I'm looking at the data and I'm thinking about what has changed with uh, COVID. Right. Um, Fantastic. You know, I think maybe all of these things have become harder, uh, right. and we'll talk a little bit more about which ones have maybe become even more hard than the others. Right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, everyone, for participating on on this one. So, Shruti, over to you. We we'll look forward to to hear from you. I will share my screen just because uh, you know usually I would want to just uh, talk, but I think it's probably useful to also uh, 
see some of the data that um, you know is coming in. Yeah, just as a disclaimer um, uh, to everyone, this is the first time I know such insights are being uh, made available. Uh, you know, um, so you know, very glad to have uh, Shruti to share this. Yeah, Shruti, go ahead. You know, I think a lot of uh, conversation in the last three four months has, of course, been about um, you know how things have changed, uh, right? And uh, I think this is what I felt for a large part of uh, March and April. Uh, right. Suddenly, you know, you kind of hit by a wave and uh, completely disoriented. Um, but then I think as uh, time has gone by, the bigger question has been, uh, you know, when will we start seeing fairer weather? Uh, right. Uh, when will you know? When will we get out of these choppy waters? Um, and I think now what we are realizing is that it's not about getting out of the choppy waters because. You know, pretty much nobody has an idea when things would go back uh, to normal, uh, right? And uh, the question is, how do we ride on this new normal? Um, and sorry for a lot of these uh, surfing-based analogies. I've uh, I was trying to learn to surf before, of course, COVID happened, and now I'm stuck in Bangalore. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it's it's important for all of us now uh, to deal with this situation and to say that you know we do need to ride write this out, uh, but what can we do to make our ride better, right? Uh, how do we predict the ways, how do we read the signs, uh, and continue to be on our feet? Um, and I think uh, so literally the question that we've all been asking uh, has been, uh, you know, how bad this is, uh, and really what should I be doing to change uh, this uh, for the better, uh, right? At least for my own business. And I think the only way to kind of begin to answer some of those questions is uh, to take a deeper, a little more analytical look at what customers have been saying to us, uh, right? Because it's easy to uh, come up with a confirmation bias where I feel that, okay, uh, you know, yeah, everybody has been talking about layoffs. Uh, and so I need to uh, just lay low and wait for this period to get over. Right. Uh, so, like for example, of course, we sell into the sales industry, uh, and if you were looking at, you know, your social media uh, posts in April or May, pretty much everything was about, you know, Team ABC uh, laid off X number of people, uh, this other company laid laid off Y number of people, and that was kind of what was happening so much around different sales teams. Uh, but then I wanted to go back and see whether that was broadly true. Right and other questions like that. So it's not so much about how has the world changed, but also about how much has the world changed. So maybe actually, uh, Bimlesh, if uh, you know, after this we could do a quick poll uh, for this group as well to see how they have thought about their own quota and their own targets for the year uh, once COVID started. Right. Okay. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, this is a survey that someone did recently in the US with, uh, you know, some. Uh, startups uh, and also some larger companies, which uh, said that you know, if at the start of the year I had asked a company, listen, uh, what uh, you know, will 60% or more of your reps meet quota? Right, 64% of the companies would have said yes. Okay. Right. Today that number is only 22%. So only 22% companies today believe that even 60% of their reps will meet quota. I'm curious to hear. Uh, from the people in this room, uh, how have you changed 
you know your own targets and quotas for your team uh because of uh, what you have been seeing around uh, for covid so folks this is the last poll i promise uh, no more polls after this <laughs> and all these polls are anonymous we should have reserved one poll uh, for the end to ask everyone how much they loved this yeah we'll we'll ask that through the chat <laughs> somebody's quota uh, has been increased during this so i got majority of them retaining the quota and 30% decreasing the quota thanks everyone we hit yeah. the 10 number mark so uh, what is interesting here bimnesh is that the numbers that uh, you know we saw in the poll in the us were actually very very similar Uh, right. right. So, so while people's expectations for their reps to make quota have changed so much, only 30% of the companies in the US in uh, this survey uh, actually decreased the quota. Right. Uh, now the question is: Is that because companies are being unfair to their sales reps? So you know, one is: What does this mean for the company? What does this mean for the sales reps? And what does this mean for actually running a sales team uh, where you know the morale must might must be much lower because the expectation to meet your quota is so much lower right and of course sales people you know are pretty much 50% on commission right all right um and i think that one of the reasons why uh, you know fewer companies have decreased quota while the world has changed so much uh, is not so much to just be unfair to their sales team but because people are also having a hard time grasping how much uh, they need to change things by right and how much has the world changed uh, and when will it uh, regain normality right so it's just been a bit of a lag uh, and i think uh, some of that lag has been because of uh, lack of information so uh, you know what uh, we want to do during this conversation today is to see uh, you know what is the understanding what is the gap between our understanding of the market sentiment which is what you know a lot of it comes from our own gut feeling and conversations uh, versus what uh, is actually happening in those seller buyer interactions uh, and of course uh, you know from my perspective i strongly believe that the only way to uh, understand these things uh, with somewhat lesser bias is uh, by looking at actual conversations between customers and sellers all right so that we can see the patterns and we can you know adjust our flight path so this is uh, you know an overview of the data uh what i'm presenting are uh, the insights from it's you know one and a half million minutes of uh, sales calls from uh, 2020 um and what we wanted to do was to see you know january when things are normal to now uh, you know have we started uh, seeing some trends i had some expectations uh, right uh, what when i had started looking at this data around uh, april and may uh, you know March was, of course, horrible for everyone, uh, and then May looked like there was some 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 signs of recovery. So when I started looking at this data now, uh, and this data is literally one day old, uh, our expectation was that we will see more trends towards recovery. Uh, but I think what we've seen has surprised us somewhat. Um, right? So I've removed the exact numbers on purpose, but this is the trend on the number of uh, phone calls, and these are all sales-related numbers, right? and uh, number of uh, video meetings and calls right so if you see uh, you know from feb to march this number collapsed uh, right but while there was a little bit of an uptick in may uh, this number has again come down in june and july um, what this i think indicates is partially that 
you know there is actually not uh, not that much of good phone number data available for personal or mobile numbers right, right. um and so there is going to be definitely some segments that are almost not reachable uh, and there going to be certain uh, parts of the industry that are going to struggle with uh, even making uh, some of these uh, cold calls etc uh, right um surprisingly on the other hand the number of video meetings has continued to go up and you know honestly this is my hypothesis at this stage but my hypothesis is that uh, you know people have to have many more conversations uh, even with the same set of customers uh, to be able to close deals while i am not able to maybe prospect as much i am probably doing uh, you know if i was doing five follow ups earlier maybe that number has gone to eight but i'll also be eager to hear from others if they have a different take on this but this is what we've seen in terms of the data uh, and of course you know end of the quarter you always expect a little bit of a bump but uh, this trend has actually continued into july as well and what is interesting is that it's actually higher than what it was in january so these video uh, calls you mean to interpret them as uh, as a zoom calls so wingman also integrates with zoom yeah okay so zoom google meet those type of things you know the the other thing to watch out for and especially for uh, you know founders and leaders is uh, that you know with people working from home uh, right and maybe things settling down uh, are people reaching a burnout point as well right like are you getting are you pushing harder and harder on the input metrics because the output metrics are harder to uh, come by all right and that's something to be careful and then uh, of course the the uh, what i wanted to see was how often are people really talking about things like layoffs i need to check with my cfo uh, you know my budgets are frozen i don't have budget so we did an analysis of those calls to say how often is that coming up of course we've seen a big jump uh, from the january and february baseline and as you can imagine in june uh, end of the quarter uh, right as people tried to push harder these trends have also become more pronounced what is so if you think about this this is happening maybe uh, you know in 0.3% of calls or so uh, this number is tripled Uh, right when it comes to customers talking about these things um now as a founder when i think about this i'm like okay so what do i do if people are going to uh, talk about this all right so one takeaway is that actually maybe people are not talking about it as often as i initially had the gut feeling that everybody is talking about layoff uh, but the second thing is if people are bringing it up then what is my response to them in a sales setting right um there are kind of two things that i can do uh, right if somebody comes and says i have a frozen budget is to uh, you know try to offer them better uh, payment options or discounts right or i can try to say uh, listen how can this help you in this current scenario or how can uh, or, or you know in some sense showing them roi so we also looked at that of course discounts uh, as you can imagine is not new just to covid right uh, people always love to talk about discounts um, and uh, you know both reps and customers bring it up all right so by the way the pink are here represents when a rep uh, or a sales rep is bringing up a topic uh, in a conversation and uh, the blue bar represents when a customer is initiating that topic in a conversation uh, what we are seeing is that uh, you know discounts are talked about much more often than budgets in some sense even when not frozen people uh, you know of course always wanted discounts uh, and it's not just 
that your reps are offering more and more discounts uh, right customers are also in some sense taking advantage of the situation and also you know dealing with their budget constraints uh, to say that you know can you offer me a discount or uh, can you offer me flexible payments or can you offer me something for free and you know it's it's a bit uh, I, i think it's something to be careful about which is uh, to allow people to ask a second level question when somebody asks for a discount right is this something just as a carrot to close a deal or is this a genuine concern that they have how much of a discount is going to work uh, how long a period do they need the discount for uh, or is there something else that's going to work to help them tide that over so my takeaway would be to make sure that you know the team has thought about this and there is a script uh, to respond when you know discount comes up in a conversation Right. because it's going to come up to you can just go back to that slide darshati one interesting point there pre covid mm-hmm. you actually had forex more calls talk about discounts and uh, you know than budgets and now it's only 2x of the calls that are in discounts is that is that the right interpretation so that means a uh, conversation yeah. on discounts have in, have decreased no so the so as you can see the percentage of conversations that are talking about discounts has increased uh but as a uh, you know as a ratio of the conversations that were talking about budget that number hasn't uh, okay. increased that much okay. right so for every uh, one conversation that talks about budget two conversations talk about discount and i think that the you know apart from talking about discount uh, the solution is to always get on the phone talking about roi uh, right of course the ipl going to start soon hopefully uh we will have some more cricketing uh jagat um so this is um you know these are the numbers for how often uh, people are talking about roi uh, right um and it's interesting right like uh, you would expect that roi should always be important to people uh, right not just right now uh, but this is what we are seeing here uh, right uh before covid happened people were not talking about roi as much uh, right um now that number has more than doubled uh and it's it and it's kind of you know seen a gradual increasing trend of course june always you know being end of the quarter will have a bigger jump uh, in these type of things right because these are things that people will talk about when uh, they are in a meeting with the cfo and that is maybe closer to a decision process but what we are seeing is that in july this trend hasn't reduced and instead what we are seeing is that reps are more proactively bringing up roi right so this thing bar here uh, is significantly you know longer than what we saw in the past month so it kind of the reps have caught on to this and said okay you know what i think i need to talk about roi to close these deals now you know in the past people have questioned and debated what is a good way to show roi you know are all those numbers fabricated you know do people even believe in roi calculators uh but i think the takeaway is that there is no escape uh, right how you choose to talk about it is um you know up to you and what makes sense for your business but it is important to start talking about roi uh, and i think the sooner you talk about roi the lesser your chance of uh, going down the discount conversation or having to give a steep discount Uh, right. just because people are not clear on what value they are getting it will be good to see if these roi conversations are resulting in in deal closure and the other question uh, you know that i had was are people worried more about budgets or are people uh, you know just dealing with too much 
uh, right? Because you know, suddenly work from home, maybe layoffs, maybe restructuring, uh, maybe remote onboarding, and all of those things, uh, right? So, is timing a bigger concern, or is uh, the budget a bigger concern when people are you know pushing back on closing a deal? A gut feel would have said that maybe budget is a big concern because that's what's kind of you know more black and white. It's gotten frozen. Uh, it might not be something that the person who you are talking to controls uh, directly, uh, right? And there are more stakeholders and decision makers in the process today. Uh, but what the data tells us is that the, the you know basically timing is coming up much more often than even budget. If in case uh, your numbers people don't remember, right? This was around uh, you know between one to one point five percent of the time, uh, right? What we are seeing is this is Two to two and a half percent of right. calls have, right? And of course, when these numbers and percentages look small, part of the reason that they look small is that this includes all conversations, including you know your shortest cold call, which might only last five seconds. These numbers, of course, are as a percentage look small. If I were to show this data for maybe just uh, you know video calls, etc., you will see this number as being double-digit percentages. Other thing to be wary of is that deals are going to get stretched, right? Even if budget is available. Um, and therefore, it's important to make sure that uh, people are not forgetting deals and leaving them on the sidelines uh, with poor follow-up. Yeah, I mean, I think on a lighter note, of course, everybody's been struggling with uh, work from home and internet challenges, uh, right? So we did some quick analysis on, uh, you know, are people talking increasingly more about, uh, you know, sorry, can you hear me? I can't see you. Can you see me? All those <laughs> uh, very nuanced things, uh, right? Um, so what we see here is actually that number hasn't changed as much, right? I would have uh, at the outset expected that maybe that number has become twice or thrice, uh, two or three x of what it was, uh, you know, when people are working from the office. All right. So it's surprising. Uh, looks like everybody is well set up to work from home. Of course, it does look like reps are talking a little bit more about it than they were in the past. Uh, but maybe part of it is just the nervous tick, right? Uh, you know, as you open the conversation and maybe you're a little more distracted in a home environment, uh, you start out by, you know, mindlessly saying, can you hear me? Uh, this is actually my co-founder's child taking over <laughs> his laptop. Um, and what we saw was that, uh, you know, the other favorite topic of people today, uh, right, is to talk about kids and parenting and schools being shut and all of that. Uh, right, so whether or not you're selling to an education space, those words are going to come up more often. So, uh, you know, the interesting thing here is that while customers have talk started talking much more about kids, uh, right, uh, reps haven't really caught on. All right, right. Uh, and maybe that's something to take away because often people struggle with building rapport, uh, and this could be a good point uh, to build rapport on because. You know, what people care about the most and what is much more in their face literally during the work from home is their family and kids, uh, right? Um, so just maybe pausing to, you know, give them space for it or just, you know, inquiring about it is uh, probably good. So yeah, that's kind of uh, what I uh, wanted to cover. This is a quick summary, uh, right? Change is here to stay. We all have to deal with it. Um, and while people are talking about budgets, it's not as much as we would have expected. All right. Uh, people are talking much more about ROI and discounts. All right. So maybe a takeaway there is that people are also in some sense using this situation to drive down uh, discounts. I think one thing that this has given, and especially when we are selling from India to the US is 
this has given us a shared context like never before uh, right today we can talk with everybody about a lockdown um yeah actually maybe that's the other word that i should search for how often are people talking about lockdowns and uh, yeah i mean what was surprising was that the activity numbers especially on the video calls have actually increased all uh, right um so that's something to watch out for all right make sure that your reps also have the time to rest and recuperate and yeah keep them motivated maybe revisiting goals and targets uh, coaching them uh, all of those are important uh, because this crisis is not going away in a couple of months this is terrific uh, shruti i think uh, great insights a lot of us uh, you know while we talk to startups and also help them reach out to a uh, us customers uh, and a lot of these insights are uh, you know very hard to find by and, uh, and i'm very glad uh, you shared this because i i, I was talking to an, uh, another founder with whom i was helping out for last two months and we were exactly going through these uh, challenges so great to see some of those uh, insights uh, validate uh, you know those hypotheses on uh, on customer interactions and some of the challenges that the industry is uh, facing and curious to hear bimlesh when uh, you know like in your own experience with hearing uh, and working with founders and you know also helping them pitch to investors what has been the um, you know that dynamic the founder investor dynamic in the last few months a uh, couple of uh, things have changed uh, you know at an early stage uh, you know founder investor conversations except for few segments like uh, health tech and uh, edutech uh, most of them else uh, in what i have seen conversations have been really low uh, and the uptick has just started in june july right now uh, with respect to customer conversations all of them are struggling to find uh, access to customers over the phone uh, because not many websites are able to give mobile numbers of the customers mm-hmm. out in the us many companies in the us uh, have not geared up transferring calls from the board line to their personal numbers uh, that's again based on hierarchy right so senior yeah. you are in the hierarchy you are likely to get a call transferred so reaching out to people over phone is uh, the number one biggest challenge in an outreach so mm-hmm. now the pattern what i'm seeing over the last 6 uh, months is to go very hard on social selling right and to have multiple touch points is to reach out on email reach out on linkedin have a fantastic uh, you know a digital strategy to convert your inbounds that and you integrate you make your website much more stronger than what it was before right so you integrate tools like clearbit to really understand people who interacted or engaged with your content are they landing on your website and if you are landing on your website do you have sales rep that are ready to engage with uh, you know with these prospects so this has, has fundamentally changed uh, in the way good companies are able to make some progress in their sales cycles even in impacted industries right actually to that point of uh, you know for valuing inbound much more uh, right uh, we we've seen both trends Uh, we've seen trends of companies that were uh, heavily reliant only on inbound all right uh, who have started to see success during the pandemic with their outbound efforts uh, and part of it could just be uh, that you know people have more patience and lesser budgets today uh, right so even from a prospect point of view 
they are open to conversations as long as you are not forcing them into a decision the second thing that we've seen is with work from home uh, people are seeing leads throughout uh, the week right there used to be a very clear monday to friday people right. will not even run digital ads on weekends uh but even for ourselves we consistently see leads coming in from the us uh, on saturdays and sundays yes now the the work day uh, concept has shifted right yeah and uh, i've also heard this from a few customers uh, you know that i have been talking to that their work day times have also changed right so they no longer work 9 to 6 or 8 to 5 uh, as in the us they work a couple of hours in the morning the rest of the day goes in you know with the kids and family and you know they again catch up a lot of work in the night across engineering and uh, you know non engineering roles as well and in sales you know people try to figure out different times to get in touch with uh, people are you are you uh, you know have you also been able to look at this data between uh, between the calls being made from india to us versus calls being made from us to us is there an, any difference there um i haven't done that split but in your customer base uh, you know you have that type of a split where you have customers who have sales teams in india and customers who have sales team in the us yeah okay so um, and we have customers who have sales teams in both places right so for example you want to charge b right so they of course have uh, a sales team in india they also sell to europe they also now have a sales team in europe and in australia um and of course they have a pretty large one in uh, the us uh, right. right so they kind of uh, cover that um and of course there are other customers that are purely selling from india to the us uh, but honestly i think when we've looked at uh and you know at a customer level also uh, we shared covid related analysis with uh, our customers uh, we didn't see a significant difference from the combined data that we saw today what a first question come in this is from charit kashyap from selvitate selvitate uh, mm-hmm. what kind of digital assets are to be created before we go all out to overseas market good question i think in some sense we uh, learned it the hard way as well uh, right so uh, we did a few different iterations of you know go to market in the us right so the first version of it was just to actually physically go there and meet people from the perspective of understanding uh, their needs without a selling agenda at all uh, right um and then when we did uh, so last year we were part of the accommodator program and we spent a few months in the us and that part of that we um, you know did a much more focused uh, sales based uh, outreach and we were also there in person uh, and we had a lot of meetings and what we realized through that process was that the biggest a question mark that everybody has uh, right uh, and that's just if i'm working with a startup right if a startup reaches out to me my first question would be okay should i even spend time engaging with them because i don't know whether they'll be around uh, right a few months later or a year later and the second and that so basically it's a trust question and a longevity question uh, and the trust question becomes much more severe when you are doing this cross border uh, right because i don't have a shared context from you right you don't look like me you don't talk like me you don't have any people in common with me um and so i think when it comes to digital assets the things to be created most urgently are things that help build trust uh, right so whether that is uh, you know specific case studies or getting 
your existing customers to go and talk about you on forums like G2Crowd, Captera, Quora. Uh, but I would say that even more important than a good pitch deck or a good, um, you know, like product uh, feature sheet or whatever else is uh, building those trust building collaterals. Do you also recommend building, uh, you know, uh, assets based on the stage of the funnels of engagement that you can you can use to engage with your prospects? Yeah, so uh, I think it, it depends on the stage at which you are, uh, right? Like if you're literally thinking that there's only like three or four things that I have bandwidth to create, uh, right? Then you would probably think of it more in terms of, you know, what are the three or four checkboxes somebody is trying to uh, check, right? Um, and then the digital asset is not just limited to what you might use in the selling process. Uh, but when you purely think about trust, right, it will also be around having a good privacy policy in place. So, um, so yes, I mean, and some of those are relevant to different stages of the funnel, like you said, right? So trust at an early stage might be about a case study or a testimonial. Trust at a later stage might be about a privacy policy. And security documentation. I would like to think I answered all of the questions before we could ask. So, talk to us a little bit about uh, how does how does coaching uh, help? Why why is coaching important to sales reps? And do you see the need of coaching, uh, you know, increase during these times when two things have happened? When now the sales rep are on their own in their uh, zone and they are also remote, and uh, you know, and the pressures of meeting their quota with a tough outcome situations like this is also you know on their heads the fear of losing jobs if you know if the company does not grow well also kind of exists uh, and in, in india there's a strong saying right quarter say quarter tak a sales guy lives by every quarter so talk to us a little bit while we wait for more questions talk to us a little bit of how co coaching has changed and has it become really important now yeah so um, you know pre covid or uh, today uh, right, I can't call this post-COVID yet, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, in both situations, I think people have thought of coaching as a tool to be used to improve performance. Uh, right, uh, and therefore a lot of focus has been on uh, coaching your uh, reps who are not doing as well. Right, um, and I think that's looking at the problem uh, entirely the wrong way. Uh, right, you if you look at Sports, right? It's not that Sachin Tendulkar will no longer have a coach, uh, right? I mean, of course, today he won't. But uh, like, even the best of athletes will have a coach because everybody has blind spots, right? Uh, and in when it comes to sales, uh, and there's actually data around this. Uh, if you don't coach your people, uh, right, the biggest impact it has is not just on performance, especially for your top performers. Uh, but the biggest impact it has is on retention. Losing and replacing a sales rep in the US, uh, right? If you put in all the cost of uh, you know the lost quota and everything else, uh, is hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. And I don't think anybody wants to willingly uh, incur that cost, especially if you're losing a top performer. So I think the coaching paradigm needs to shift from saying you know can I make somebody who's not doing so well to do a little bit better? Uh, and the reason why coaching important for retention is that if you think of sales, it's a very repetitive job, right? Um, you know, you're closing, you're doing calls, but you still have to go back and then, you know, start from scratch with another one. Maybe as you progress in your career, the size of deals gets bigger, uh, right? But everything else kind of uh, is stuck, uh, 
right? Uh, and therefore, coaching is important to make people feel that they are growing and improving. So, uh, I think that importance has increased. And of course, with COVID, that has become even more significant because, uh, like I said, you know, quotas haven't decreased while the expectation that quotas will be met has decreased. Uh, and so, people's morale has, uh, of course, suffered a big hit. Uh, imagine, you know, you're cold calling and earlier you would expect three people out of 100 to, you know, respond to you. Uh, today, that number might be one out of 100. Uh, and, you know, you are probably not feeling very happy about that. You got one question coming in from uh, Pallavi from Sara Inc. Uh, what should be the strategies for sales managers in an early stage startup to ensure high amount of lead generation and deal closure? Two different things there, right? Uh, lead generation and deal closures. And of course, a lot of uh, other things that sit in between Pallavi. Um, so I think... Uh, people need to think about uh, lead generation and especially early stage, uh, right, um, as something that you experiment with, uh, right. Uh, you have to keep feeding the funnel, uh, but you part of the uh, struggle in the early stage is to figure out what is going to feed the funnel, right. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer. Uh, you know, whether that is to say that, you know, should it be inbound versus outbound? If it is inbound, then should I be doing paid versus SEO? Should I be doing uh, within paid? Should I be doing, you know, Google versus LinkedIn? All of those are questions. Uh, and all of those can only be answered for your specific industry, for your specific price point, for your specific product with experimentation. Uh, right? Uh, and so the important thing is the strategy should be uh, to come up with, you know, almost like a decision tree to say, okay, you know what, I am not trying to come up with my perfect recipe today. I am trying to ask a question that's going to get me one step closer to the recipe. Uh, right? And to constantly be in that mindset so that you also accept the failures and move on. Uh, because otherwise what becomes, uh, you know, and it's kind of also, I think, a little bit more about us as Indians is because we are so resistant to failures. We try to justify whatever we are seeing in the data as something that, you know, I think this could have been better or I could have used a different copy or a different image and, I, you know, this ad would have performed better. Uh, rather than to take it and say, you know what, maybe this uh, channel doesn't work for me. All right. And therefore, to have those open conversations to say, you know, failure is helping me learn to get to my uh, best recipe, uh, right, or a better recipe. Uh, and that recipe might change six months later and that's fine. All right. Now, when it comes to deal closures, I think the answer is uh, completely different, which is to say that, how do I get to a process, uh, right? Because what I learned, for example, is, uh, you know, at, at different stages, we had different drop-offs in different parts of the funnel. Uh, and what we realized was, you know, at, at one point, we realized, okay, you know what, we have this drop-off because people are not trusting us, because, you know, they don't understand that, uh, you know, there are other customers or people have been using the product and they've been liking it. Right, and maybe that's what we need to solve for. Uh, when we went down that process, the second thing we realized was, okay, uh, you know, people still have hesitation in maybe bringing their entire team on board, and so maybe we need to solve for it using, you know, by lowering the bar in some sense, and maybe allowing people a free trial. Right. Uh, then the next thing we realized was, uh, you know, we need to do a better job of onboarding because even when people have the trial of the product, they are not able to leverage it because they don't fully understand it. All right. So as you go down that, uh, you'll need to tweak and it's a little bit like laying bricks, right? You can't make one pillar, uh, right? You have to lay it brick by brick uh, so that everything is growing. 
So everything in your funnel needs to keep improving in conversion rates. Um, and that's why it's kind of a lot more of a process-driven thinking that needs to come in there. The next question is from uh, Krishnan. Uh, Wingwin is an entity that is successful in attracting the best investor minds. When is, it, when is the ideal time for a startup to go in for funding from your experience? Um, you know, we've had a variety of experiences on that front, and I can probably have a, a whole session on that. Uh, but um, I think, you know, I mean, and I think that this answer we've heard from many different people, including investors, uh, right? If you're trying to raise a seed fund, don't tie yourself to a milestone to say that, you know, if I hit this milestone, that is when I will go and raise funds. Uh, because the, uh, the, the thing is that while you think that you've made a lot of progress, right? Uh, from an investor's standpoint, uh, it's still, it's still going to be a decision that is going to be weighed largely by what they think about the space and what they think about the team and uh, what they call like the, uh, you know, the product founder or the market founder match. Uh, right. Um, so if, if you're looking at seed funding, then I would suggest that start talking early to people uh, and start talking to people through uh, a curated network. Uh, right. Because it's a lot more about the person and the trust with the person uh, than about an exact milestone. Uh, right. Um, and you have to think of it this way that even if like I can go in and say, OK, I have five customers today. Right. Uh, but uh, having five customers versus having 500 customers or 50 customers or zero customers, while going from zero to five is incredibly hard, right? It doesn't prove as much, right? I could have gotten those five customers by uh, just through my inner circle, or I might have done a lot of hard work and gotten them through cold calling, right? Um, and therefore, the the question that needs to get answered is. What is your ability to execute to get to the 500, right? Uh, and showing me five customers is useful for that, but not as useful as me understanding you as a founder, me understanding uh, the founder market fit and those types of things. All right. So uh, you know, let's uh, wrap this up, uh, Shruti. Thank you so much, Shruti. Thanks for your time. Uh, amazing insights. I definitely gathered a lot of uh, information, uh, useful. Uh, you know, this definitely helps us to course correct all our conversations and also our mindset on how we approach uh, prospecting now. So thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining in today. Uh, you know, loved your engagement with the poll. And also, we had a few questions coming in. So thank you so much once again for coming on to PitchCamp uh, and joining our knowledge series uh, session. Thanks for having me, Bimlesh.